Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Inside the Board's Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bugs and Drugs for the Step 1 Study Smarter series. My name is Mariah, and today we will be talking about pulmonology. So for our first question, we have a 53-year-old homeless man with a history of alcoholism is brought to the ED due to three days of chest pain, chills, and shortness of breath. He quickly destabilizes and passes away despite aggressive intervention. A sputum culture obtained upon admission to the emergency department revealed gram-negative bacilli that formed mucoid colonies. An autopsy revealed the presence of lung abscesses filled with liquefactive necrosis. The organism most likely responsible for this patient's death, A, slowly produces a pink color on McConkie agar, B, rapidly produces a pink color on McConkie agar, C, slowly produces a yellow color on McConkie agar, or D, rapidly produces a yellow color on McConkie agar. So when we read this question, we see this patient, he's a homeless male, he has a history of alcoholism, and a lot of times when we see patients with alcoholism who may have passed out or elderly people in the hospital, we want to think of aspiration pneumonia. And normally the culprit for this is Klebsiella. So this patient, he has chest pain, shortness of breath due to aspiration pneumonia. And since the sputum culture showed gram-negative bacilli, Um, that were forming mucoid colonies, and there were also lung abscesses filled with liquefactive necroses, we can also confirm that this is a Klebsiella infection. And Klebsiella is a fast lactose fermenter on McConkie agar. Um, It turns pink rapidly. So the other option choices, which are slowly produces it or um, slowly produces a yellow color or rapidly produces a yellow color are all inaccurate because Klebsiella will rapidly produce a pink color on McConkie agar. And our next question. A 24-year-old female presents to the physician due to a cough and chest pain that began two days ago. She works at a pet store cleaning bird cages. She also has smoked a pack of cigarettes per day for the past eight years. Her temperature is 38.8 Celsius or 101.8 Fahrenheit. 
A chest x-ray reveals parenchymal infiltrates and hyalur lymphadenopathy. Histopathological exam of the mediastinal lymph node reveals the presence of yeast phase organisms inside of macrophages. What other pathological finding is most likely present in this individual? A. Enlarged hepatocytes. B. Septate hyphae that branch at acute angles. C. An organized collection of macrophages. Or D. Spherules filled with endospores. So since we have a patient who's working at a pet store and cleans bird cages and she has cough symptoms and chest pain, this is suggestive of pneumonia. And since she cleans the bird cages, that's a, a big giveaway to histoplasma capsulatum. So histoplasma capsulatum, this is one of our organisms that are inside of macrophages. The vignette said that there were yeast phase organisms inside of the macrophages and we also know that histoplasma capsulatum exhibits granuloma formation, which is an organized collection of macrophages. So the answer here would be C, an organized collection of macrophages, because that's how histoplasma normally presents. Key giveaways here are the birds and the cleaning of the bird cages, the occupation of this patient, and obviously the symptoms that are present. And the fact that this shows an organism inside of the macrophage, that's also very, very important for histoplasma. If we look at our other option choices, we see A says enlarged hepatocytes. So normally, um, hepatomegaly would be present in disseminated histoplasmosis, but um, that's normally in patients who are immunocompromised. Since this patient is a relatively healthy 24-year-old female, she, her immune system is healthy, it's fine, so it's very unlikely that this fungus disseminated. Option B is septate hyphae that branch at acute angles. This is referring to aspergillus. Um, that's a monomorphic fungus that forms septate hyphae at, uh, that branch at acute angles. And a way to remember that, I know a lot of people remember that aspergillus starts with A. The letter A kind of has an acute angle if it's a capital A but that's not the organism that the vignette is referring to. And then option D is spherules filled with endospores. For some reason, the boards love describing coccidiomycoses um, as spherules filled with endospores. I would recommend you guys also look this picture up. If you have not yet, they love showing this picture. And that's very, very pathognomonic for um, coccidiomycoses. So those are the other options. So our next question is, a 27-year-old male comes to the ED due to a cough and shortness of breath. He states that the cough has been present for one week, but the shortness of breath began earlier today. He has a history of HIV and has been non-compliant with antiretroviral therapy. A bronchoalveolar lavage is performed and a silver stain of the sample is shown below. And there is an image um, of there's a silver stain that shows um, cysts that look like yeast cells. I know that it's hard to see the picture, obviously, on podcast, but the reason I wanted to do this question was because it's a very high-yield topic that they like to test on the board. So it's showing a silver stain um, that shows cysts that look like yeast cells. So the question is asking, which of the following is most likely true? regarding this patient's condition. Is it A, 
TMP SMX prophylaxis should be started when the CD4 count drops to below 500 cells. B. Most infections by the causal organisms result in interstitial pneumonia. C. Cystic air-filled lesions in the lungs may be seen on imaging. Or D. An alternative prophylactic medication is chloroquine. So if we dissect this question, we have a patient who's non-compliant with his HIV medications. So we can assume that this patient has pneumocystitis gyrovici, PCP, pneumonia. He has a cough, shortness of breath, and a history of HIV. The silver stain is showing the yeast cells. And one huge thing to know about pneumocystitis is that it can cause something called pneumatoceles. Um, these are cystic air-filled lesions in the lungs. So that's very, very high yield to know. And the only option choice that describes that is option C, cystic air-filled lesions in the lungs may be seen on imaging. So I know this was a harder question because you can't see the picture, but I've gotten this question a few times when I was doing practice questions. So it's important to know that. And just to go over the other options, option A was talking about giving trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole when the CD4 goes below 500, but we normally give that when the CD4 is below 200. So that's not correct. Option B is that this organism can cause interstitial pneumonia. This is actually also wrong because most of these infections are asymptomatic and don't actually cause pneumonia. And option D, that an alternative prophylactic medication is chloroquine. This is wrong because chloroquine is used for malaria. We have one last question. It's a little bit similar to our first question, but I just wanted to talk about it as well because it discusses an organism that we might not have learned too much in school, but I think is very important to talk about for boards. So the question is, a 45-year-old male with a history of alcoholism presents to the ED with a painful productive cough. He reports that his symptoms began shortly after a visit to a local bar. Upon awakening, he discovered that he was face down in a puddle of beer. A radiograph of his chest is obtained, which is suggestive of lobar pneumonia. His sputum is cultured and a gram stain reveals a gram-negative bacillus. Which of the following is the most likely infectious organism? So I'm going to completely butcher these pronunciations, but is it option A, Burkholderia cypatia complex, B, Tophorema whippelli, C, Haemophilus ducrii, D, Peptostreptococcus, or E, Fusobacterium? So we did a similar question to this already where we had a patient who was an alcoholic. In this case, this patient went to a bar and he woke up face down in a puddle. So we can assume that he has uh, aspiration pneumonia so or some form of um, alcoholic aspiration. And the important thing to know about this is that fusobacterium, which is an anaerobe, is one of the very common causes of aspiration pneumonia. It is also a gram-negative organism. And just to talk about the other options, um, option A, which is the Burkhold area, Cypatia, this normally happens exclusively in patients with cystic fibrosis, so we can rule that out in this patient. Option B was Trophorema whippelli. This is a gram-positive organism that causes Whipple disease. Choice C was Haemophilus ducrei. 
that this actually causes uh, painful genital ulcers, not not pneumonia. So this is um, not even the right system. <laughs> and choice D is peptostreptococcus. And the reason this is not the right answer is because it's gram positive. But I believe this can also cause aspiration pneumonia. But since this vignette mentions that this is a gram negative bacillus, we can rule that out. And our next question. A 23-year-old female presents to her primary care physician with persistent fatigue, headaches, and a cough. She states she is a freshman at a local college and recently moved into a nearby dorm. Further history demonstrates that several of her classmates have also had similar symptoms. Her sputum is collected for staining and culturing. The gram stain does not reveal the presence of any organisms, and the organism only grows when cultured on Eden agar. Based on the information above, which of the following is most likely true regarding her infection? A. A broad-spectrum antibiotic such as vancomycin should be used. B. Her blood would agglutinate if collected in a test tube and warmed. C. A chest radiograph would show enhancement of an entire lobe. Or D. Azithromycin will likely kill the suspected infectious organism. So a few things about this vignette. We have a student who's in college dormitory and she's having some mild symptoms of persistent fatigue, headaches, and a cough. And um, the students around her are also demonstrating similar symptoms. And while the gram stain doesn't reveal any organisms, the organism does grow on eaten agar. And a very important thing about this is to know that mycoplasma pneumonia grows on eaten agar. It cannot be visible on gram stain because it does not have a cell wall. So it has a, a missing layer. It's called a murine layer. It's absent, so it does not show on gram stain. So with this um, organism, it's really, really important to know this is something that presents with something called walking pneumonia, where the patient's symptoms aren't as severe, but on um, like chest x-ray and things like that, it would actually show that this is more severe than the symptoms are showing to be. So in regards to treatment, azithromycin is very, very effective in killing mycoplasma pneumonia. So option D, which is azithromycin will kill the suspected organism, is correct. It's a type of macrolide um, that can kill mycoplasma. Option A is a broad-spectrum antibiotic such as vanco should be used. Uh, vanco, we know, works by targeting the cell wall. And since the mycoplasma pneumonia lacks the cell wall, vanco would be ineffective. Option B is that the blood would agglutinate if collected in a test tube and warmed. This is also incorrect because the blood of a patient with this would agglutinate at cold temperatures, not hot temperatures. And option C is that a chest radiograph would show enhancement of an entire lobe. This is also incorrect because normally a chest um, x-ray would show scattered nodules, not lobar pneumonia. Important to know azithromycin, effective in getting rid of mycoplasma pneumonia. The next question we have here is not a multiple choice question, but it's something that I, I just want to bring up because it's very, very important to talk about. So we have a patient with pulmonary hypertension and they are started on Bucentin. 
how would the pulmonary vascular resistance be altered in this patient? So different causes of pulmonary hypertension include things like um, the BMPR2 loss of function mutation. That's one of the hereditary reasons. It can also be idiopathic. It can be caused by drugs such as amphetamines and cocaine, um, or also just other associated conditions like HIV, cardio, and pulmonary conditions that can cause an increase in pulmonary vascular resistance. There are several ways to treat this. A lot of times things like exercise and oxygen therapy help. Diuretics also help. Calcium channel blockers and things like that can also help. One of the drugs that's used is bosantan, which is an endothelin receptor antagonist. So basically, in pulmonary hypertension, um, we have endothelin 1 activity, which causes vasoconstriction. So bosantan would antagonize that and decrease the resistance. Basically, it inhibits the vasoconstriction that's being caused there. We can also give um, drugs such as sildenafil, which is a phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitor. Um, which would increase the nitrous, the nitric oxide. And one last thing I'd like to discuss in kind of an informal manner without asking questions are just the asthma drugs because I think they're very high yield. And a lot of times the way that the questions are asked, test taker simply needs to know the mechanism of action of a lot of the drugs that are asked about. So um, just some high yield quick facts that I've um, come to learn after reviewing for the board exams. For asthma, we know albuterol um, is a beta-2 agonist, and it's one of the short-acting beta-2 agonists, the SABA. We also have the LABAs, which are solmetrol and formetrol. Those are the long-acting agents. These are mostly used for prophylaxis. We can also, um, if, if the albuterol of the beta-2 agonists don't really work, we, we can use inhaled corticosteroids such as fluticasone or budesonide. And we also have options like muscarinic antagonists like teotropium, teotropium and ipratropium. They like testing that ipratropium is the longer acting of the two medications. Very, very high yield to know the anti-leukotrienes. We have xylutin, uh, which is a 5-lipoxygenase pathway inhibitor. We have Montelukast and xaraflucast, these block the leukotriene receptors. So xylutin is actually blocking an enzyme, whereas montelukast and zafirlukast are blocking the receptor. That's very important to remember. They love asking about omalizumab, which mostly uh, binds to the serum IgE in the serum. So that's important to know. And they also like to ask about chromolin and how it works and it basically works by inhibiting mast cell degranulation. Uh, but it's not really used because of its many, many side effects. Those are some of the high-yield pharmacology facts that I've sort of learned to uh, memorize. And hopefully this helped. Best of luck to everyone. Everyone.